This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. Ladies and gentlemen, heard you missed us. We are back. It's the DLR Cast, the only podcast by and for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. I'm Steve, no relation to Roth, along with <laughs> my good friend who I haven't seen in a real long time, yeah. Dangerous, the debonair Darren Paltrowitz. Darren, what's happening? It has been uh, maybe a little over a month since our last episode. We got some news, some things happening in all things the world of Van Halen and Dave. Good to see you again, my friend. Likewise, likewise. It was my uh, three months of cosmetic surgery that uh, kept us from recording. No, no. All seriousness, <laughs> Steve, good to have you back. Uh, long story short, you're feeling good. You're feeling fine. I am. I am feeling real good. Uh, for folks who don't know or might not even care, uh, despite being in fantastic shape at the age, recently he turned is. age of 56, I had a heart murmur, which was something called a mitral valve prolapse. And uh, three weeks ago, September 25th, I had open heart surgery, which went fantastic. Doing, I'm doing great. So doing great so far. Yes. Everything's looking really good. I promise I won't collapse in a heap during this uh, this recording. Two weeks ago, I would have you know, probably been too fatigued to do this, but I am glad to be back and doing well. So thank you. Yeah. You know, get yourself checked out if you need to, if you have any symptoms, if you have family history, et cetera. Now, when we say that Steve is in great shape, uh, one of my jokes that I like to do is, uh, beat any child under the age of 10 years old in a foot race because I can sprint <laughs> despite how it looks. Steve could, in my opinion, beat any one in a foot race. He, he, he's an in-shape guy. So it kind of tells you that as healthy as you might look, get yourself checked out from time to time, even if you have mean doctors like I do. Yeah. Well, it was actually my uh, wonderful wife before she became my wife uh, heard a heart murmur, which I never knew I had. And that the summer before last, that... Um, got this whole ball rolling so happy to be here and uh seemingly doing very well so yes but speaking of people who are not doing well <laughs> yes. uh, there's been a lot of evenly wrought stuff since we taped this last episode and i gotta say steve this is not going to be an easy episode for me to be nice or like positive during because it's one of those things that reminds me of why we started doing this podcast in the first place where we go like we're not getting the full story we're left with so many questions from all these things. And some of these episodes we taped, there's nothing going on. And in this case, a lot has happened over the over the last month or change since our last episode. Yeah, it seems to be a bit of the same, even though collectively there is a lot going on uh, or had been going on. I guess we should also say uh, belated happy birthday by a few days, October yeah. 10th. Happy birthday, Dave. So... Yeah, uh, whenever it's Dave's birthday, then it's another anniversary of Eddie's passing. And That's so right. There was, there was a lot of stuff online about, you know, happy birthday, Dave. But there was no post this year about, you know, I miss Ed or anything like that. So Dave has been posting lots of content, more of the no holds barbecue stuff. You know, you can never post too much naked Karen McDougal footage from the early 2000s right and and you also can't comment and explain to people enough apparently as i want to do where this footage is coming from giving you know the overwhelmingly positive response <clears throat> cough cough that uh the comments uh appear to be 
at YouTube and at the social. So where's this from? Is this new? It's the, you know, so where can I find no whole yeah. barbecue? Well, the same place you're probably watching this video for starters, try YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And within um, five or six years of filming that she would be under a gag order from president Donald Trump. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so it's funny when you do timelines and you think about it, we think of no holds barbecue as being this old, old thing. That's 20 plus years old. It's not sure. clear whether it was 99, 2000, 2001. The reason I say that is because Bart Walsh is in that and Bart Walsh is blurred out of the footage that we see. Bart Walsh, yeah. as far as I'm aware, was gone by what? Oh, two. Because Brian Young did the Sam and Dave tour. Yeah. And that was summer of Oh, two, actually. So he must have been gone early that year, late 2001, early that yeah. year. But yeah. Yeah, and Bart Walsh, I don't think, played on the DLR band from 97. No. And the hairstyle that Dave has in the era of this is comparable to what he had in the Diamond Dave album era. Which right. Also, so, there, so what we do know is there's overlap between the Diamond Dave album, which is just a bunch of random sessions compiled, and the No Holds Barbecue. So 2000, 2001 is what we think it is. Now, these John 5 things, and we'll get to the new one that came out. Okay, there was a blabbermouth thing today that cited me that talks about that it being from 2007. A guy I was texting with today who- Wait, hold on, go back one second, just so we're clear here, so folks know- the blabbermouth thing was talking about the recent the the audio to the recently released video on Dave's YouTube channel, which was a birthday video done by the ever amazing Rams. Uh, uh, Rams this Rios, Ra- the Rams, right? Video. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So the and that was on Dave's channel, by the way, his YouTube channel. Yes. Yeah. Dave likes Ramses, so do we. But I'm hoping that doesn't stop Ramses from getting hired or endorsed because we both like him. <laughs> and Team Dave does not like yours truly. Okay, so what I'm getting at here is that article that came out today about the new song with John Fife says that it's from 2007. A guy I'm texting with who was legitimately working with Dave on and off, I cannot say who he is. Uh, he knows that I may or may not cite him as a source for things. He said he thought it was either 2009 or 2007 with John 5. But I was trying to verify all that for our taping today. And the John 5 article from 2014 says that he'd been recording with Dave about a year and a half ago for these California sessions, which would make it 2012. So Right. But however, but here's the weird thing, though. 2012 wasn't 2012 when A Different Kind of Truth came out? Yes. Yeah, so, and that so, tour lasted that year? Did it go into 2013? I'm not sure. It, I believe, it probably it did. did. Um, how great he sounds vocally on these recordings is not how great he sounded in 2012 on tour. Now, he, my source, my source told me that the John Five sessions did overlap with him rejoining Van Halen. That possibly back in 2006, 2007, the reunion tour was 2007. Yes. Um, so the John five sessions were possibly a contingency plan. I don't think that that has ever been discussed before that 
the you remember how we we only learned from Frank Meyer and another person or two then the early 2000s that Dave had recorded with Michael Anthony, Alex and Ed and the songs just go for 90 seconds and then cut off. Right. And, Long before a couple of years before the actual yes. official with Wolfgang reunion. And so we know about that. And where I'm going with all that kind of stuff is the timeline is still questionable about all the stuff. But the the reason that Dave supposedly cut off all the songs is he's like, well, if this doesn't work that work out, I don't want to get screwed over like I did in 96. Right. So, so now, he probably had all those 90 second recordings and can say this. I have. Yeah, yeah. It couldn't get released without his permission. They couldn't finish it. They couldn't credit it correctly. So now it seems like the John five album was also a contingency plan of sorts of, well, if the Van Halen's don't want to, finish this up that's what it sounds like the john five was the van halens partially knew about the john five thing but they didn't know the whole story that's what i'm hearing also i'm also Man. hearing that john five is under more ndas than anyone on the planet because he's got dave's manson's motley Cruz, right <laughs> And so, in other words, John Five is the most celebrated, nice, easy to work with guy on the planet. Absolutely, he is. To be able to deal with all that. And I'm sure Rob Zombie, who people like, I'm sure he has his own set of NDAs as well. And that my basis on that is how many things have ever leaked out of Rob Zombie's camp? Like nothing. nothing. So when John Five left and he was replaced by the guy who John Five replaced, to begin with, Mike, I forget what his last name is. Yeah. Uh, who knew about it? Nobody. It's just you saw a gig and then Mike was back on stage and John Five was out. No one knew anything about it. Yeah, that. it you know, it reminds me, I can't remember exactly when, <clears throat> but about six months ago or so, I think, somewhere around when those initial Motley dates were happening, or or you know, he'd already joined Motley at this point. Uh John Five did. And Eddie, he was on Eddie Trunk's podcast slash radio show, and he was yep. asked about Rob Zombie, you know, and not not being with Rob anymore. And he was, he was, um, you know, he wasn't avoidant in any way, but he really didn't. It was he, it was an odd sort of answer. I wondered at the time if if he's trying to say what he can't say in a way that in the only way he could probably say it. Yeah, you know, we're not working together anymore. I love my time with him. It was kind of a political answer, yep. but. You know, certainly no details on why. I mean, it was rumored that he was gone before he was. I think it was actually officially announced, I remember. And yes. then I can't remember. It didn't. I remember at the time it didn't. And I don't think Rob said a single word about it, actually, if I recall. But it didn't seem like there wasn't any sort of he left Rob Zombie to go play with crew, you know? Yeah. And and I have to add in, by the way, one of the best concerts, if not the best concert. I saw this past summer was Rob Zombie because ha have you seen Rob Zombie live in the last say five years? No, I saw him several years ago with Alice Cooper and John five on guitar. It was a double headlining tour. This was yes. in like, Jesus, 15, 16, 17. Was, and I was, I thought, I, I thought he was blown. I was just completely blown away. Rob Zombie show was amazing. Rob Zombie's music. I like the hits. I don't love the album tracks, but when you see it live, it's like Kiss times four. 
there's more pyro lighting props monsters etc it's almost like he took alice cooper's live show and that was the tour it was alice cooper rob zombie yeah filter fantastic tour it's like he took alice cooper's show and went i'm gonna outdo every single thing times two or three because alice cooper has that big monster thing that comes out right (laughs) rob zombie multiple songs has a big monster that comes out and he dances with yeah it's Uh, it's alice cooper's you know it's shock rock on steroids really yeah, so with, with, I, like, with a complete love of horror movies, as we know, Rob does. Yeah, it just I've watched a lot of videos on YouTube. His show is amazing. It it really and he's a great front man. The guy's nonstop, and his band is always tight as hell. And it's just it it works for me live. I always tight as I, hell recorded as hell, whichever uh, verbiage you want to use. Right, now. right. right. <laughs> the, the music is secondary, tertiary to the whole thing. But what what I'm getting at is Rob Zombie is delivering an amazing show that. It's like five degrees past Van Halen being state of the art. This is what rock has kind of evolved to in a really awesome way. Yeah. So I don't think that John five ever stopped evolving his taste, but we kind of pigeonhole him as this like seventies, eighties, hard rock guy, even though he's a lot younger than a lot of these people. So, um, with, with John five kudos to him and all that, this new Dave song, be honest with me. What do you think? Um, I mean, it didn't light my world on fire. Like, it's cool video, by the way. But it's just, it's a, it's three minutes of what I don't, you know. Okay, I am so glad that you also don't think it's great. I listen to it and I go, that should be an electric guitar song. What, what is this? Yeah, it's- I mean, it's it, it's fun. It's it's cool, but it's not as good as the. So now we have six tracks from those sessions. Yes, if you're six. doing it. If- uh, and none of them uh, playlisted on Spotify. And this is also not on Spotify. Last time Wait I a minute. Ch- no, the other songs were on Spotify. As of earlier today, this song was not on This Spotify. song is not, no. But the other songs previously all are on Spotify. No playlist implying that's a new song or anything like that. Of course, <laughs> g- given how given how they release things sometime, it could be on Spotify tomorrow for all we know. You know, I mean. Okay. Benefit of the doubt here. But what I'm getting at is... No Holds Barbecue, probably 2000, 2001. This probably recorded in 2007. This is only like six years after No Holds Barbecue, yet we're treating this like it's new music and No Holds Barbecue like it's this old thing from the archives. Eh, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, Monda, I I need to Google what that means and what language that is, but uh, but, uh, I'm sorry, I got... I got my I got my videos messed up for a second there, which is uh, which is no surprising given the last couple of weeks. But, you know, Ramsey's did that birthday video. Yes. And I could have swore this that said um, I could have swore that said something that was from the John five sessions. The music in there, was it? I could have sworn the notes this. Uh, but Monda Bala, the there was another I don't remember video. A video i just remember a still shot with the music on the Instagram. yeah no i what i was looking at um and again, yeah my i'm right yeah anyway <laughs> i've been on a lot of painkillers let's just put it this way <laughs> uh, oxy's been very good to me um but no but i like it it's i mean the other songs from the sessions really i really dug i was more excited about it. and i i just maybe i need to dig this a bit more let's do a bit more i mean i guess stylistically it fits in what with the other songs we heard but again i question that the more i think of it when was this recorded was this all recorded in one 
John five album sessions, or I got to feel most of this stuff is done piecemeal. So we don't know if it's 2007, <laughs> 2009, or 2012. I'm ruling out the 2012 based on that USA Today article, I think it's from 2011, where Dave talks about these John Five songs with relation to, I don't know, a jukebox musical because he'd seen the Book of Mormon. I have no idea what he's talking about, but I do know that the Van Halens were pre presented these songs and turned down these songs. Now, I'm wondering if Dave was only politically using these songs to light the fire to the Van Halen's going, we need to do an album or else I'm going to do one without you. And that's what this all was. Now, as I say that, last time I checked a couple of days ago, Different Kind of Truth, still off all digital platforms. Um, my reliable source does believe that's because the 10-year license lapsed on it. It's not okay. uh, accounting oversight. And the Deep Throat Dave person, who I believe is one of the two sisters of Dave, based on some of the identifiers presented, right, said that DLR band not being on so on um, streaming services was an oversight. The person who knows what they are talking about, notice I did not use a gender pronoun right there. The person who I believe knows what they're talking about says, no, Dave is embarrassed by that album. There's a reason it's not out. Embarrassed by what album? The DLR band album from 97. Embarrassed? The commercial expectations on it were nowhere near uh, what it was supposed to be. And that is the exact opposite of the, what the Dave Deep Throat told the Dave and Dave Unchained podcast, where they were talking about how much money it made. Yeah, well, remember, recall, too, it was on what was that records, I mean, and barely had distribution. I mean, they it had a big radio hit, which is probably where the bulk of that marketing budget was spent on independent well, promotion. Funny you should say that, because one of the people I tried to interview for my book, who's thanked as the radio plugger in the album, Heavy Lou Bronstein, I think his name's Heavy Lenny Bronstein. I, I said, hey, I'd love to interview for you for the book. I'll be in Vegas. And this is right before COVID. And I'd love to interview you for the book or I'm sorry. No, this was in the midst of the canceled COVID one. Right. Said, I don't remember anything about that. No comment. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So um, I'm hearing all sorts of conflicting things about whether the DLR band album was successful internally or not. At this point, success from a number standpoint is relative, right? I mean, it came out on a some indie label, yes. Um, which in its which, I mean, how much success? I I heard I remember reading somewhere and and uh, that it it did like one hundred fifty thousand copies or something, which for an indie label, if that's no even way. true, I no I remember way. maybe I don't know. I that's I remember reading that a long time ago, which maybe a bit of a bunch of hopium and hype, I guess, but yeah, um, but. Not possible. I don't think I'm so gonna... either. I wish I still had sound scanning from uh, access. However, having said that, here's the other thing about that record is that the reputation on that album among Van Halen, Dave era fans and Dave fans is that's a great record. You want to know why? Because it really is. It doesn't yes. sound fantastic. I was never too crazy about some of the production there, but as a cohesive, you know, out song by song, album by album, you know, it had, it's got, you know, obviously John five on there. I mean, the song Relentless is one of the best solo songs he's ever done. 
I mean, it's killer. Yes. The lyrics, the riff, John Five sounds amazing. And then, um, uh, and I'm com- again, once again, I'm completely spacing on um, the the guitar player that was with him who for uh, your filthy Terry little mouth. Kilgore, there Terry was Kilgore. That's right. Terry Kilgore co-wrote some songs on it. Arguably, yeah. the songs he co-wrote with Dave on that record are better than several songs on your filthy little mouth that he co-wrote. Sure. And he plays a lot of guitar on that record. Ray Luzier is on drums, if I recall, on the whole yeah. thing. John Mike Five Hartman, I got to interrupt you. Mike Hartman also put down guitar in a few You're songs. You're right. Yes. So as a, it, it as a, a cohesive mix. record goes, it's a damn good record. It was a mix of three different guitar players uh, and their sessions. And Bart Walsh was in that era. And Brian Young was almost within that era, too. So that was the revolving door of five or six guitar players for Dave in a and, what, five year period. Yeah. And that's yet another one where time is all relative, because we've talked about this before. Oh, yeah. The album was recorded in two week session in Florida. What? Yeah. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm just very confused about all this because um. We can talk more of in at length about this, but Dave appeared for another corporate gig in Vegas within the past couple of weeks with Steve Stevens's uh, Royal, Royal Machines, Royal Machines, which was a Camp Freddy offshoot or Kings of Chaos offshoot. And it's so bizarre to see him in that awful vocal state and then putting out these crystal clear vocals on this new song. It's almost like somebody realizing, like, I got to go on the dating apps well, um, what era of dating app photo should I put out for my profile photo? Should I put out the one when I had the full head of hair and was in shape? Or should I put out the one that's actually what I look like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I tried listening to some of it. So it was just within about a week or two ago, two weeks ago, it was for in Las Vegas. It was an Oracle software corporate yeah. gig. I have no problem with somebody making as much money as they possibly can. I am a capitalist at heart but what however <laughs> however <laughs> first off vocally if you can't do it you probably shouldn't if right. you're halfway there you could probably get away with it for a song like you really got me mm-hmm. but you know man everybody's doing corporate gigs i get it and this whole all-star cover band thing has been a number of years you know, now um, with, um, you know, King of Chaos, which has a bunch of different lead singers. They were just all down in Brazil with yeah. Robin Zander, as a matter of fact. I mean, you know, a, a, and um, of course, then there's the Johnny Depp, Alice Cooper thing. Who's, um, I'm forgetting. God, my memory, man. Hollywood yeah. vampires. There you go. So I get it. But this just seems like a really odd, different animal to me. Because no doubt the band is tight. Steve Stevens, man, I would have loved to have heard what he could maybe could have concocted in, you know, in Dave's prime that yeah. way back. Uh, you know, he's always seen to me to be a perfect guitar player for Dave. But for this. Supposedly, let's interrupt for a second. Supposedly, he was offered it before Steve Vai, but he couldn't yes. because there was a Billy Idol gig. But suppose double supposedly, the supposedly on the supposedly, some of the Eat and Smile guitar gear was borrowed from Steve Stevens for that album. Yeah. I mean, in the past year or so, we had Dave doing what that a full corporate band gig with his band in Mexico somewhere, yes. of which no video has seen the light of day. And then we had a Home Depot show somewhere. Yeah. Was that also in, in Vegas? Vegas? In Vegas. Yeah. Okay, so sure. It's a 90 minute flight or whatever it is. I get it. You know, they pick him up at his house. He gets to LAX, whatever. It's an easy gig. Three songs. Is, is there six figures probably involved? In that is easy paycheck. Sure. Does he uh, have? 
possibly possibly yeah i mean but this doesn't it does him no good from an artistic standpoint from a legacy standpoint because no. in in i mean listen van halen once did a corporate gig in vegas uh was it the reunion tour or a different kind of truth tour i remember they you know and so i guess there's no level of band that that won't succumb succumb to you know the corporate band thing i mean i kind of understand it yep. but on the other well, hand it's like dave well, to me should have been at an upper a different level i can almost i almost would feel better if he's doing a full band gig and sounds real good with whatever band he's got at the time and god knows that's a revolving carousel of people versus one how many songs are you doing this oracle i only saw I you really got the me. same three uh, the same three that he did at the previous one. But but let's pause this and, and think about things logically here. The Us Festival, which is Van Halen with Dave's most famous gig ever, arguably that was a corporate gig. Well, but it was open to the public. It was open to the public. But when you learn that they had the most favored nations clause in that and they were chartering things. Oh, yeah, that's just that that's just smart business sense. I mean. Yeah, I, but it was a corporate gig from Apple, more or less. So. <laughs> And Van Halen, uh, the stories from the early 80s about the corporate sponsor that they were going to take, and then they wound up not agreeing about it. So they went with the exterminator company uh, doing the reverse corporate sponsorship thing. Dave is very aware of, oh, is this a good look? Is this a bad look? Right. He's not out of it. So right, they're no. very aware that this is a cheesy corporate gig. It's got to be about the money then. From what I've heard, uh, there is not as much cash flow as we think there is. I'll put it to you that way. Um, that the tattoo company was actually a substantial loss. Oof. That that the tattoo company was not a, oh, this is just a couple of bucks. As in the tattoo company was a disaster on every level. That's would, what I've heard. I, I would bet you all the principles involved with david inc the original sign in ds also and one or two of them still work with him believe it or not they were the Man. only people ever to have wronged dave and not been fired wow i mean so so i took you way off course here so yeah for gig yeah it was the same three songs for this oracle arena corporate thing as the home depot yeah i mean No surprises, right? I, I just it's it seems to me that this is this is the mo going forward. You know, drips and and it has been for a while now. I mean, will it be six months or six days? We see another song from these John Five sessions. Again, we say it every week, and I see it. I, it drives me crazy. The lost opportunities, the protection, and the enhancement of the legacy that could be going on now, and that includes, of course, and it's a good segue to Van Halen. Well, I mean, but prior episodes, I've said, hey, Dave, be more like blank. And I've said Coverdale in the past. My new one of Dave, be more like blank, is D. Snyder. D. Snyder, excellent shape, stays out there, does interviews, not afraid of the Comic-Cons if it's about pushing a product because he was just at the New York one last week. Uh, D. Snyder put out two really heavy albums in the last couple of years, basically because somebody dared him to do it. I think it was the singer of Hatebreed and went, you've never really done a metal album. I'd love to do a metal album with him. And he went, okay, I'm not mm -hmm. saying Dave should do a metal album, but 
I'm saying that there's other peers of his who are around the same age, who are in their 60s, who, whether or not they have their full vocal chops, uh, D. Snyder, for the record, has his full vocal chops. Right. But I'm saying there's so many options of things that he could be doing. And the paintings were still, we still don't know what all that was. Yeah. The cartoons, we still have no idea what that of the digital comic was. All I'm asking for is some clarification. Continuity and clarification. I was just thinking, of course, I mean, is the podcast on hiatus or yes. is it done for good? We, we don't know that either uh, because all these photos of him dancing and all the no holds barbecue, none of them that I've seen have had a throwback tag, a TBT hashtag kind of thing. So if you're a casual fan, you're like, oh man, Dave looks great. They're like, yeah, because that was him at age 48. Right, right. So I took you off task here. So the Van Halen legacy, yes, that Van Hagar box set, which I had the pleasure of unboxing for the Paltrow box. Uh, and it occurred to me while I was unboxing it, they're like, it's the complete Hagar. And you're like, no, it's not. It doesn't have live right here, right now in it. Good point. So why doesn't, and I thought about that. Why does it not have live right here, right now in it? Because it has publishing money to Dave. Right, because they're doing the six-pack songs. Yeah, it has a Who cover on it. I mean, the, the Who will clear anything. Right. A.P. A. Townsend, he'll more or less do anything. But it had Panama, it had Jump. Um, yeah, because right here, right now is 86. Right here, right now is 93, I thought. Wait, what's the one? Um, oh, I'm thinking Live Without a Net. Sorry, you're right, 93. Yeah, so, um, yeah. And it, it doesn't have Live Without a Net either, which I don't think, have we ever seen in a CD version? I know it was a home video, but I don't think I, it was ever no. a CD. Why? <laughs> That's the, that should be the title of this episode. Why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, why was there they recorded all the stuff so you know i still think that there's a ton of stuff a thing came out uh within the last couple of weeks while we were on break uh jack douglas the current drummer of aerosmith the son uh uh wait jack douglas is the producer the son yeah. is it john douglas or jd I, I think so now he was alex's tech and he said in an interview oh man they filmed so many of these reunion shows they filmed the Madison Square Garden show. They filmed this. They filmed that. The Madison Square Garden show, somebody else who listens to this podcast, who didn't want to go on the record, who may or may not have written some press releases for a reunited Van Halen. Darren doing deep background. Is that what you call it? <laughs> they, they may or may not have been paid by the Van Halens directly at some point in time. That person had told me that uh, the, the Madison Square Garden show was recorded were supposed to be recorded in the day of reunion era so that's like yet another question they did record these things they had intentions of doing that supposedly the tokyo show that did come out only audio no video and it was an impromptu decision to record that one well, the whole concert is on youtube it, it, the whole concert is on youtube but i can't remember i don't think it's pro shot no i think it's compiled from like yeah. five camera angles so yeah. We know that there is stuff recorded from the Roth reunion era. We know that stuff was professionally shot 
from the Hagar and Sharon's uh, eras because with the Sharon era, the Australia show, did you ever watch that on YouTube? Yeah. Yep. It's, it's tough. It It is tough to watch. It, is. it really is. I don't like the, and I'm going to make fun of Gary Sharon a lot because I used to have this positive thing, but once extremes management was super rude to me, I, you know, I'll make fun of them endlessly. Nuno is cool. Nuno well, is cool. It's timeless and cool. But I Gary Sharon's stage moves are so embarrassing in that concert. I, they can be a little bit odd, and I'm and I'm telling you, I'm telling you from an ex, being an extreme fan who thinks that their uh, their new slash latest record that came out this year is amazing and one of my favorite hard rock records the entire year. And I saw them in August, and they were sounded. I mean, this is a band. You know, these guys were all in their fifties, sounded and looked great. And I'm reminded of the fact that Sharon, his, so much of his moves come from uh musicals right wasn't he a theater guy and being so they don't always fit with the hard rock songs but man is the guy in great shape and he still yes. got the pipe so i am i've i was reminded this year the last four or five months how much i love that band because of nudo well no the songs too this <laughs> that new album six is fantastic no, and i'm, I'm gonna... partially kidding i'm partially giving a hard time because of how extremes manager was to me in writing it was, <laughs> got uh, it nice it was it was really condescending and i didn't do anything to belittle him or gary who i'd interviewed in the past but what my my whole point before i sidetracked was we know that there's sharon stuff recorded on video we know that there's sammy stuff on video that's not out and or included in this complete box set and we know that there's roth reunion stuff uh that's recorded and we we have no idea on the status of. And that's been a recurring theme on this podcast. Like, what is in the archives? Now we know it's all three eras. There's stuff in the archives. Yeah. The problem is, is I, I can only imagine. I mean, I was, I was thinking of a quote that that Wolfgang said a couple months ago, whatever interview it was, where he's like, just basically saying how dysfunctional as a band Van Halen, I think he was saying present tense. And I think yeah. he was mainly alluding to Dave. Yes. I think that's, that fact is clear. Um, and I'm sure pre Wolfgang, it was really difficult to deal with Alex and Eddie because of their issues for a long time. I mean, they certainly didn't, uh, they certainly didn't do Michael Anthony any favors. That's just, you can't whitewash what they did to that guy. I mean, it's just very, oh. it's, it's shitty and unfair. And, uh, I mean, is it all about money? Is it all about lack of vision? Is it egos when you have that much stuff? Because time's a wasting folks. Yeah. I mean, especially, especially if, <laughs> if cash flow. <laughs> I might be an issue uh, also. Allegedly. I'm going to say the word allegedly five more times to protect us. Right. Allegedly, yes. But here, okay, but here's the thing. You could, I'm assuming in royalties and really a good package and, and really mining and maintaining that legacy could certainly over the next few years make a lot more money than some corporate gigs doing three songs yes. on Vegas in Vegas when you can make the argument that you probably be, shouldn't be doing that right now at least from a legacy standpoint and how you sound. Having said all that, looking back a little ways, the the Henson sessions, the Van Halen cover covers they did, I mean, passable, sounded okay. 
Time No Vocal, K. Vocally. Never made a playlist that would recap all of them into an album. Yeah. So again, what's the point of spending that money and doing that? Yeah, he paid everyone their full day rates and then some. He yeah. rented out the studio and then some. So that's a case where I guess it's his money and his thing. But just the extra 10% of the work and you'd have an album or a thing to sell. Right. I think about this all the time, just being a product management guy and marketer yeah. and just an all around huge fan. I have these, especially as I've had a lot of <laughs> free, a lot of recovery time late. I think about all the things that, and we talk about this all the time, but in particular for the John five record, right. That have been coming out in dribs and drafts. Okay. If you had an actual full album coming, putting three or four songs ahead of the record with some cool videos, let's say, with it is a smart idea. Guess what? Hey, speaking of extreme, it worked for extreme. They did amazing videos ahead of the record, got everybody psyched. Yes. And they had some, and that record in today's day and age is a huge hit for them, considering how long they'd been away with the studio record. But they did it right. They have a physical piece of product. You can get it digitally, and they let up into it. It was no surprise. It wasn't dropped on a Tuesday. Hey, new extreme record. You got to capture the fans' attention. You got, right? Yeah. My thinking is you let John 5 do press, right? Maybe Dave does some limited press about where it's like, hey, I'm only talking about this record. Now, whether Dave could stick to those press parameters <laughs> would remain to be seen. But imagine this, right? The record comes out on all the digital platforms. Hell, even produce some vinyl with Dave doing the cool artwork in a limited edition, pressed like 2,000 copies. I mean, could you call it milking it? Yes, we want this shit. We, I mean, I, you know, Anybody over the age of 40 that grew up with this stuff or even young, I mean, we want this stuff, whether it's Dave or whether it's Van Allen. And sure, there's a limited amount of Dave fans out there that are going to go buy this stuff. Um, but it's new, it's newsworthy, and it could make some money. No one's, Dave's not going to lose any money putting out an actual putting out that John 5 record. Okay, so I'm going to take your idea and I'm going to put it on steroids right here. Go for it. In my endless quest of Dave, why don't you be more like blank? Okay, so do you remember a year or two before the pandemic when Gene Simmons came out with the Gene Simmons vault? Yes. Okay. I may or may not have come close to buying that vault. I did. I may or may not have come close to buying that as well because at being the huge Kiss fan that I am, uh, but I also know gene songwriting has always been about quantity and not necessarily quality you know Correct. but still as a as again i'm going to bring up the word legacy but as an inside look of the creativity and the stuff there's so much unheard of stuff man it got me super curious okay so i had the pleasure in that era i think it was 2017 so maybe it was three years before the pandemic but i had the pleasure of interviewing gene in a hotel room about the vault and he did all the thing like, you know, knock on the knock on it. You see how it's not flimsy. You see how great. It right, is. right, right. Open it up. See what's inside. You know, that kind of a thing. And I went through it a little bit. And it was like a coffee table book that had beautiful photos and text. I think it was five or six CDs of unreleased things, including two things that had Eddie and Alex Van Halen on right. it. Right. So it was a star studded thing. It had a thing or two from his childhood. Etc. Now, I if I remember correctly, the cheapest tier to it was a thousand bucks. Yeah, it was a thousand or fifteen hundred, 
And that included you being able to go to some group meeting greet for him or with him. And then I think up to like 40 grand was he came to your house or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. There's something ridiculous like that. But in the case of Dave, there there are all these unreleased ideas that we know aren't that great. It would be cool to listen to once, kind of like these Gene Simmons things. So if you combined five or six uh, discs of all these crazy covers and sketches and demos and rants and all that, with a coffee table full of all his paintings, these prints of all that kind of stuff, a cheap action figure because Gene had a cheap action <laughs> <An> figure. Action figure. <laughs> there was a really cheesy action figure or two. I don't know if it had a thing for his soda. At that time, he was hawking money bags, soda. So right. a year later, I met him at a 7-Eleven in Niagara Falls. Um, I was coincidentally in Niagara Falls, and he was signing six packs of his root beer. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not saying Dave has to go there, but I'm saying a lot of this content we only want to enjoy once. We're not going to listen to all these things a thousand times. You're going to go, oh, that's that's an interesting alternate mix. So, for example, the Ramses has posted this to his YouTube, the dance remix of Stand Up from Skyscraper. Have you ever listened yes. to that? No, that's, but you had texted me that a couple of weeks ago, and I meant to. It's a week or two awesome. It, it makes Stand Up better than, than the single version, than the album version. It's very interesting. I would bet 0.1% of Dave's fans have heard that or know that exists. And I would, I would bet further that Dave has paid and commissioned for dance remixes of every single thing he's ever done from some unknown DJ somewhere. The way that he collaborated with Armin Van Buren right before the pandemic. So what I'm getting is Dave is the ultimate candidate for a vault like Gene Simmons, where he charges $1,000 to $2,000 a piece. He sells about $25,000 uh, 25, copies of it worldwide, give or take the meet and greet option, and millions upon millions of dollars while clearing out the archives. I like it. Maybe so, the action figure is a little bit too much for me. But again, <laughs> you've got this great content, for lack of a better word. It might not all be great music, but what is it going to matter when you're not here, Right. Yeah. Will it ever see the light of day? Yeah, so it's just he's zero emphasis on that stuff. But hey, great, a corporate gig. When you do these corporate gigs, you could tell the people in the audience all you want of no filming, no filming. You could put up all the signs. It's being filmed. I mean, the corporation itself is filming it for liability purposes. It's a casino. There's a camera every 15 feet. Right, right. It's being filmed. So you have to know that whatever you do in Vegas is going to be unearthed at some point. So I, I just don't get it. So if you, you know, you recap of what we got in, in the last month, we've got a more no holds barbecue so, social media that's not posted as old. We got an old song that's not posted as old. We've got a corporate gig. <laughs> um, what 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 else have we talked about? Well, I'll tell you what we didn't talk about. And uh, what was it about a week or so ago? The awesome the Tapes Archive YouTube channel put an interview that I hadn't heard before. Put it posted uh, the audio of an interview from uh, the podcast uh, Design Matters with Debbie Millman, and it was from 2019. Mm -hmm. And it is it, oof, it is a uh, it's a good almost 90 minute long interview. 
And it's about as deep and as introspective. I think it's a better interview than what he did with Marin mm-hmm. and a little bit more laid back and certainly better than what he did with, with Rogan. And one of the things that there's a lot that stood out to me here, and it's a it's a long listen. Some of the stuff we know, a lot of the stuff about Uncle Manny and and a lot of that stuff, um, which put a pin in that Uncle Manny thing for a second, um, okay. uh, because I had an idea about that. Um but one thing he, they ask him, she asked him how many instruments he plays. And he talks about playing, I think it was, you know, taking jazz guitar lessons for years. Ugh. And then he said something. He said, you know, I want to get to the point where basically he could be busking. Right. And I love that idea. And that brings up the fact that I genuinely did like the Diamond Dave record, the cover album. I didn't love every song on there, but as far as a piece of music with some cool covers and some cool ideas on it, I liked it. I didn't. I get. I don't want to say I loved it. Maybe I did. It's very uneven. I'm playing. It's very un. It's very uneven. The John Five song doesn't need to be on there because that's not a cover. No. But he's. But as we know, and I bring this up all the time, he's done a lot of cooler covers. Shine a little. Shine a little love by uh, yeah. ELO. I, uh, listen to that multiple times a month. It's on repeat on my MP3 player. Um, yeah. uh, Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty. I mean, we've heard bits and pe- snippets and stuff, and and. Um, here's another good one. I mean, shoot, if you're going to go into Henson, has he ever done this before? Is he just recorded doing a bunch of cool covers, him and a guitar? Or did him and John five ever record a bunch of covers? Do you know what I'm saying? Do another covers record. This stuff is, is quality recorded almost everything. Cause he's in Henson. It's not like he's, he's not like, he's not pulling a Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska here. You know what I mean? He's, he's not sitting up. listen, this is a per- this is somebody who somewhere somehow spells hashtags wrong, okay? As you point out to me, so I don't expect him to have a Pro Tools rig in his house, but working on this by himself, you know, that's not who Dave is. But that's there's actually, actually, I've heard- <laughs> I knew you were gonna. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to like overtalk. I'm not trying. No, to no, contradict, no, dude. But it sounds he like might. home recording capability going on, but that he prefers the vibe Henson. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Well, regardless, let's put it this way again, nothing, there's probably not a lot of Nebraska sounding tapes. If you're familiar, how uh, Bruce Springsteen recorded that. I mean, there's, I would bet most of this stuff is releasable quality. And even if it's not, who cares? Right. I mean, think of the stuff that he's kind of released and, and did some weird things. All this weird stuff is really nothing new. How far back does 50 rides on the love train go? Where it's an hour's worth of him dancing, which is fun and lump, but Every version is him singing along a different version, doing all these vocal inflections, most sounding pretty damn good, warming up to what he says is one of his all-time favorite songs, Love Trained by the OJs. What other cool soul stuff has he done like that before? Do you know? Yeah. I mean, shit. I Give me, give me a, a, you know, I don't know. Give me What's Going On by Marvin Gaye, uh, 50 Rides on That. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, what else has he done like that? But- I would encourage you if you haven't go. It's you got to do it in bits and pieces. Unfortunately, the the, the tapes archive has uh, has timestamps for everything, right? If you ever see the if you ever see in the, in their in their video notes, but he really gets into it with um what and some real she's she's a pretty good interviewer, but it's really a in depth kind of real interview to me. Um, here's my idea on the Uncle Manny thing, by the way, Cafe Was. So, um. Because I'm weird like this, I um, and love old comedians or older comedians. I finally got around to reading uh, the great comedian Robert Klein's book, uh, oh. "The Amorous Busboy of Decatur Avenue," which is basically 
the story of how often he got laid back in the 60s, which I had no idea was about. And even the blurb on the back from Joan Rivers was, it's a great book. I had no idea it was such a sex addict. The book actually ends in like the late 60s before he really became a comic. But he came up with it in that Greenwich Village scene, right? Where it was the bottom line and Cafe Watt. When Dave talks about that scene at that place, and I've heard other people talk about this and historians about the Greenwich Village scene, that was the real deal. You know, comedians and improv, they played Cafe Wah, Robert Klein. Did. I mean, a lot of people did. Yes. You know, all this stuff has gone to history. Does Dave have cool photos? Could he write the Ford or do something, get together with an author to write the definitive history of Cafe Wah? Or that, or do you know what I'm saying? I mean, totally. in, or does in, he have photos from his uncle Manny who died only a few years ago, nearing the age of 100? Yeah. And, and cutting you off here, Van Halen did this, inf- did that infamous, like, low-key gig at cafe while yeah quarantine and other people filmed but you know in the, in this day and age where everything old is new again mrs mazel really spotlighted that right. era right so it's not like this is irrelevant stuff that nobody cares about because mrs mazel definitely brought light to lenny bruce who i think dave referenced lenny bruce in my interview that i did with him in 2003 Right. So, so this is stuff that he knows. And doesn't he say that Uncle Manny was the original manager of Richard Pryor? Uh, in this interview, he mentions Richard. I can't remember. He gave him one of his first gigs, I think. Um, it's early on that interview. I was listening to it la- last week. It's a lot to digest. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it, it, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> but the idea is like, talk about that. Talk. That's interesting you have to assume that the diehard David Lee Roth fans are over a certain age. They're pop culture obsessed <laughs> and they have attention spans, hence being able to tolerate artists who are unreliable to their fan base. Well, we we also or, want to see behind, we also want to see behind the, the curtain, you know, for all the world, it's easy to, it's easy to rip on kiss the end of the never ending end of the road tour. You can make the argument it should have ended five years ago, three years before it actually started or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, God bless him still going out there, but it, it, it's it's time, you know, all that aside, you know, it's an amazing quality production. They're giving the fans, I think, their dollars worth. And these are sure these are a lot of fans of Deep Pocket, but the amount of soundboard Kiss is mining that legacy while they're still here. Right. They're yeah. mining those archives they are giving fans what they want, which is and- something. Van Halen had to be twisted and freaking pulled into barely doing with a studio record and a, and a world tour that consisted of two, maybe three countries throughout yeah. their career. Well, a thing that I watched a couple of nights ago, there was a documentary on the rainbow in LA that came out, I think in 2019 or early 2020. Okay. Did you, have you seen this? Gravitas. No, but I remember, I know what you're referring to. Yeah. Gravitas Ventures distributes it you can find it on youtube for free legally and something that bothers me in it is they're talking about they they really confuse a lot of people in my opinion because they they're talking about the whiskey a go-go on the sunset strip and the rainbow at the same time and most people don't realize the rainbow is just a restaurant bar it's not a venue right people played in the parking lot but it's not a venue no everybody hung out there you could see let me let me let me kill myself at the bar playing uh uh, video poker, whatever it was, right? Yeah, he was there did, all the time. Did you ever see him? There? I saw him once there. I I didn't. 
I did not see him there the, the couple of times I went back full early 2000s, I think. Oh, seven. I someone's like, yeah, if you're lucky, you'll see Lemmy. And I walk in there like, yep, there he is in the seat playing <laughs> video. Like, which what's the difference in these photos? Uh, he's playing that machine or poker or blackjack, whatever it was. Lemmy's awesome. Uh, this documentary, you could tell certain people were able to participate or willing to and other people's not. So it's talking about Van Halen. No one from Van Halen participated. Gene Simmons did. And you're going, Gene Simmons is from New York. Gene Simmons did not move to Los Angeles right. in what, 84 or 85. Right, exactly. Gene Simmons doesn't drink. So he was not hanging out at the they have, they have a great omelet. <laughs> yeah, more or less. So he's talking about all the great things about the rainbow in that scene and not Van Halen, who had their residencies on the Sunset Strip at Gazzari's. Right. And all that. So it's the kind of thing where because Gene and Kiss and people like that are willing to speak up and take that limelight. That Dave hung out at the Rainbow Bar and Grill <laughs> hundreds of times in his life. I've seen pictures. They briefly mention Dave. Then they tell a Van Hagar story that they conflate with a pre-fate Van Halen thing with Dave. You know, you'd have to be a real nerd to go that's a Hagar thing that happened in 86. That didn't, okay, whatever it is. Right. Is because Van Halen's not participating and not speaking up, because they're not in the Slows Hour documentary, because they don't have a biopic like The Dirt had with Motley Crue, because they're not doing all these things, the legacy is going to die and Gene Simmons is going to take it all from them. That's where I I'm mean, going with that. I don't know if we'll ever completely die thanks to Eddie's guitar plan, but as far as the reach it could have, right? It's there's there's so much that is and will be missing, I think. Oh, okay. In terms of Eddie's guitar player, yes and no. Did you see the Rolling Stone top 250 guitarist list that came out this yes. week? Yeah, Eddie and I pay, I, I long ago stopped letting those drive me crazy. Was he was he top? He was top ten, number four, I think. He was number four. Pay, Jimmy Page was three. I forget who was two. One was Hendrix. Okay, that's fine. But in this list, Saint Vincent ranked higher than Eric Clapton. Yeah. See, <laughs> those lists. Those lists still do exactly what they want them to do: get people talking about it and getting people annoyed and crazy by that. I would, Eddie, in my mind. Uh, because he impacted so many, if not more, guitar players than Hendrix, he should be number two behind Hendrix. And if you're talking, no, actually, let's put it this yeah. way: electric rock guitar players. I mean, Clapton, you can call a blues guitarist. Do you know what I mean? How big was his impact? He didn't write a lot of songs. You know, I mean, I'm not saying his impact. What it was certainly huge on Eddie, but as far as who brought the in, I, Clapton should definitely be up there. Okay, but I'm sure, like, yeah, St. Vincent, come on. You know what I mean? It's it's Annie Clark is fantastic as a musician. Annie Clark is very popular. But let's think of all those great St. Vincent riffs that we hear at the sporting events. <laughs> right. All those St. Vincent model guitars uh, that we all, you know, buy. And, and now I'm not saying Slash is one of the 10 best guitar players ever. But if you're going to say, why did most people buy a guitar? slashes in the top 10 you think of him with the gibson les paul you know almost right. about to fall over same with joe perry whether or not joe perry's playing is what changed everything the, it's about impact 
Yes, exactly. And so therefore, these people have all the, the models through Gibson and all the knockoffs. And so the fact that Eddie is now number four on that list, Rolling Stone, if they redo this list in about eight years, Eddie will be like 26. Don't list. say it. Don't say it. And all this is because they're just not playing the game with licensing merch, with preserving the archives, etc. So the most mainstream music ever is becoming cult level as a result of this. We're it's oh it's it's infuriating because that, that that's why this podcast more or less started. <laughs> there you go. I'll leave you with this one other thing. Yeah. If there's if there's only ever one other thing. Uh, in 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 my uh, in my imagination, I you know always talk. I always think about you know what could be or what I would love to see, yeah. and we'll never see this. But I would a definitive a definitive Dave documentary with Dave a part of it. Okay, I would love that. And what I've heard is. I'm not revealing sources. People have told me that Dave has been asked to be in other people's documentaries, not just Slow's Hour, other people's. And he won't. That's not his thing. And you're like, so you don't want to ever tell your definitive story. And I've also heard that his autobiography is out of print by choice. Hmm. Interesting. So if you can get it on Amazon, it might be a used copy or it might be a remaindered copy, but I've heard it is properly out of print by choice, not Hyperion wanting it out of print. Right. Well, this so, is as good a segue as any into a, a, a new book about David Lee Roth coming out. <laughs> <laughs> now that it sounds like I don't like the guy. Hey, I love the guy's music. I love his innovation, but Unfortunately, all these people have been using me as a doormat to go, hey, so Dave screwed me over with this. <laughs> and I've kind of become like the source of, of all that stuff. And of course, you never take everything in 100% face value. But my book, I'm going to say, is 80 to 90% super positive about Dave. It, it points out some of his misstated facts over the years, but um, it is intended to be a tribute. Hey, uh, you are, and we are, as we say at the top, we're we're fans, we're not fanboys. If we're wrong about anything, Team Dave, tell us, what are we wrong about? Right. What are we lying about? What are we misstating? Until you tell us that, you know, what can we do? We can only speculate. And I don't think, you know, the speculating is how you preserve a legacy in a positive way. Yeah, spec speculation... It, it, spec, listen, speculation has got us uh, 80, you know, 80 plus episodes or whatever with interviews. Uh, and it's what we got to go on. You know, I mean, I, it's that's all we have at the moment. Give or take these, you know, things that drop like, uh, you know, Monde Bala or whatever, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, what 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 we're at kind of right now is not very different from say a WWE podcast where we're talking about storylines and hypothetically, Oh, this could be better. The big difference is that a Vince McMahon or a, an overarching figure from one of these companies every year or two or three goes, you know what? I'm going to do something that's on the record and clear the air. And 
then they help correct or fix certain things. In this case, we're getting 0% of that. You know, Dave did his last media blitz in 2019, and then he did around the, Inc. the original. Podcast. Uh, yeah, around Inc. the original, and he said that there was going to be the kitchen sink tour. And is the last that. actual interview he did was was that even an interview when it was an audio statement about throwing in the shoes? Uh, uh after that was Vegas. The second Wait, no, Rogan interview, and this, then also the red carpet at the the, M, the VMAs, where they asked him about watching Real Housewives. If you want to call that an interview, September twenty twenty one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's really all. That and hugging a squirrel statue on his property <laughs> are really what we've got. And whereas in twenty 2019- oh wait a minute, don't forget we there was that little LAX interview earlier this year coming back from Mexico. Oh, from where the he looked where he looked great. Off. Yeah. 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 Whereas Handler was in the background. Um, <laughs> I, I've noticed the Handler in more stuff. As, for example, the, the video that Steve Brown from Trickster posted backstage at a Kiss show of Dave walking to the stage. I assume. Yes. You that. Oh, yeah. You see his Handler there. And when I say Handler, that is his accountant slash manager slash Firer and firer, etc. He has one person doing all that. I mean, at, with the level of activity, do you need more? Absolutely. T- <laughs> that was a rhetorical question. Well, if your career is based on, and I'm being serious here, if your career is based on playing defense, like the last few years of David Bowie's career, where he's like, I'm not touring. Um, I don't want anyone to know anything just shoot down rumors and say no to stuff, collect the checks. Yes. But in the case of Roth, where there's regularly inquiries to license stuff and there's these corporate gigs, you do need somebody on offense also. Right. And there is activity. It's not like we're going, wow, it's been six months since Dave last posted anything or whoever <laughs> posted stuff. There is stuff. We, It's complete non sequitur types of posts. Well, no, there's some themes. We, we have it in phases, the artwork, you know, and then the comic and yeah. then the John, some John five songs. And now going back into the no holes barbecue re-edits, I guess. Right. So I guess, but so there is always activity. There is stuff going on. It's just, there's no rhyme, no reason to so much of it that we can see. I heard a rumor I heard a rumor, uh, allegedly, allegedly, hashtag allegedly, that he was interested in one of those estate catalog sales. Uh, and when all the artists were doing that in the little in the midst of the pandemic, there was interest, there were offers, and he walked. Oh, where he sells his publishing. I heard he gets a big that. gets a big sum up front. I also heard that the Van Halen publishing catalog the way that we understand it is not true Hmm. that sammy and michael sold their shares outright at a certain point in time not in the last year or two but had sold their stuff so in other words that there's complex stuff that the everyday public does not understand but has not been corrected so i believe there have been rights reversions and there have been changed deals over time it's just they never put out a press release to go, hey, everybody, um, you're wrong and we're fine. Well, you know what's interesting about that is so the songs, the songwriting credits have always been divvied up, even if the Royal 50, you know, yeah. in 
in quarters, right? And of yep. course, we know what they did to Michael. Yep. If you look at it, and i have forgotten, you know, publishing and mechanical royalties, all this stuff is a, is a multi-headed, very complex beast. We should have somebody come up and explain it sometime uh, in a little bit more detail. But if I recall a different kind of truth, all songs are credited to the four of them. Mm-hmm. It also says lyrics by David Lee Roth for the first time ever. But if you noticed, I'm pretty sure, and I don't, it's not in arm's reach, but it's the first time I saw it all under individual publishing companies. Yes. Or at least two different ones. Maybe the Van Halens were under one, but it all just wasn't, say, you know, Warner Chapel, whatever, you know, BMI, whatever. You know what I mean? It was all yeah. public, you know, they all had their own publishing names on, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they had seceded from the normal. The way I'm understanding, uh, understanding that's a new word. Let's <laughs> that one. We're, we're, you and I are conversating. That's what we're doing. Is <laughs> that everything was originally under Van Halen, then it went under Warner Chapel. Then things moved around a bit. Then it came right. back to Warner Chapel. Then it moved around a bit. And that everything is everywhere and convoluted. That's the way I understand it. But when we look up things and we Google things online, it'll say Warner Chapel because people either don't understand or they don't have access to the information. Um, I've also heard that when it comes to unreleased songs, the team Dave does not register them until they're coming out if they're if they even do. So meaning, a lot of artists will just, re- they finish the song, they demo it, they register it with ASCAP, BMI, and or CSAC, and they're publishing. Not Dave and not Van Halen. They've never been that way. Wonder why. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's... Well, getting getting back to what you talked about before, I don't know how you could, if... if um, if you're going to sell, if you're going to sell the publishing royalties for like the first six, if you're going to, if you're going to, make one of these big deals that Springsteen and other people did, you know, all solo artists, by the way. Right. And get all that big cash up front and somebody licensed in perpetuity. um, You know, Dave can't be the only one to say yes to that. The Van Halen estate has got to, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like. You would think that except you now in this day and age, individual band members can sell off their shares. So we saw Mick Fleetwood, sell off his you're correct, yeah. royalties to BMG. And so you're like, so if you're clearing the thing, you have to do a special clearance just for BMG, just for Mick, and then clear everything else. And potentially the whole deal does not happen because BMG complicated the whole thing. In the case of Dave, he brings his, his Van Halen stuff and his solo material. Now, I don't think that his solo albums reverted to him through warner i think that van halen's masters have reverted in some fashion or are going to revert in some fashion based on the fact that metallica's did and i think u2s are going to and after and maybe also after a certain number of years maybe there's a you know 30 30 years plus whatever i mean you know there's so many listen there's 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 a reason why there's a reason why record business accounting is in quotes record business accounting, you know. Um, so yeah, so so what I'm getting at is estate sale was discussed at one point in time, but not fully pursued. Well, so, to my understanding for that is, I mean, you're you know, 
all these folks that do this for the most part are older artists because they're going to get more in one lump sum for for their <laughs> so, for their so remaining. Bieber's an what's, older artist. What's that? Bieber's an older artist. Katie okay, Bieber and Timberlake have done these. But uh, Julian from the Strokes in the last. But you know year. what? That's a real gamble on their part because if they're going to be yeah. around for another 40, 50 years, are they going to make more forty years? Let's say at least. Katy Perry's what? How old is she? 30, 38, 40? Probably forty. Yeah. Okay, is she going to make more money unless she's no. given up? But she over royalties over 40 years than she would a lump sum. You possibly could. Definitely not. Uh, because and I think there's some tax advantages of doing it, doing it somewhere yes. too. I mean, in Bieber's case, listen, he might never have another hit record again. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I guess I can see both sides of it. Yeah. Some, some of these deals you go, uh, Oh, that could go either way. And then some of them like say the strokes, you go, that was a good move, Julian. Smart. Very- it's probably a good idea to do it do it now because that money's drying up. The money paid for these massive catalogs two or three years ago ain't there anymore. No, so. and what they pay on commercials, like something that I learned, this is going way into the weeds and I apologize, but an artist who was on the management team, they had a song, I think, in the second season of Grey's Anatomy. And then they had a, another song in the sixth season of Grey's Anatomy. And the fee was a half or a third of what it was in the second season. So the fees kept going down the longer these series were going on. And we know that it's like a 3% inflation rate in currency if you want to get really nerdy. So it's not like the rights fees keep going up. The rights right. fees are going down end time over time. The, the dollar is getting weaker. So, right. so anyway, yeah, Dave, uh, that was a possibility at some point. So he was slash is thinking about legacy. He just has not followed through. So you know, we could post this and tomorrow there could be another John five song and in three days there could be another corporate gig and there could be three more no holds barbecue posts this week. <laughs> and you know, this is how we'll we, be, this, is, this is how we always close, right? We'll be just as confused as ever. Yeah. It, well, it, I don't know. You know, we, I, we should time things out for when we have that episode where we're, we're coming close to 100 episodes even though we've we slowed down the last year or so for various reasons not the least of which is health and life reasons however right. uh you know maybe get that big i don't even know how you the hell did we do a retrospective maybe episode 100 maybe we're closing up shop folks maybe we're throwing in the shoes i don't know but of course <laughs> you know what happened when we say it's been a great ride thanks a lot a week later holy shit everything <laughs> Right. Yeah, we'll we'll find out that there was supposed to be another Van Halen tribute tour after Satriani and Jason Newstead. We'll find out there was supposed to be another lineup that was going to have Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan, and then that got axed. And then we're going to find out that the skyscraper thirty five was is good. Is right. Which reminds me, and maybe this is a teaser for a forthcoming episode. I've always had this long mental list going, which I started writing down bits and pieces of of musicians. I would love not just guitar players, but like kind of dream bands for Dave. Sure. And I've got yeah. a, I've got a, a bunch of folks. I mean, now, granted, I don't know how many drummers are out there that might want to work with Dave. <laughs> that seems to be a revolving door, yes. as we've discussed before. But I've got a ment- I've got a list going of who I love, but however, you have to take out Vi, you have to take out Sheehan, you have to take yeah. out Bissonette, um, obviously Jason Becker, unfortunately, uh, and John Five. After that, though, there's a lengthy list of people I think would be great with that that 
all sorts of different players I think would have been cool with Dave. And I and I got some ideas on why maybe Dave also couldn't keep chasing the star guitarist after Becker anymore, you know? So for forthcoming episode. Forthcoming episode. So you and I have officially made a pact. There's no Dave news. We're going into fantasy booking mode. <laughs> new style. And... We still... Yeah. We still can do the song Aramas as well. So there is music out there. It's just Lord knows there's we might be the only people still interested. <laughs> well, what we have learned today, Dave, be more like Rob Zombie or Gene Simmons. And uh, <laughs> we'll take it from there. But in the meantime, thanks to anyone who indulged us by listening this long. And uh, thanks for the ongoing support, Steve. Keep up the greatness. Glad to see you back and doing. Yeah, great. my pleasure, my friend. And let's not forget either. January 1st, publication of your David Lee Roth book. You can pre-order now. Links and details are in the show notes. It's We've been talking since forever. It's already mid-October. It's not that far away. Thank you all. Thanks, Steve. Thanks.